Fences made to keep certain things in and other things out. To keep the wild animals wild and the tame animals tame. But which are we? Hello and welcome to the Feral Christian Podcast, where the modern church, biblical accuracy, the Holy Spirit, and human personalities collide, and we try to make some sense of it. This is Eric Jackson, and today uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Usually what we do in this podcast is I take um, some overall theme of, of either Christian living or, or church culture um, that I feel like if you want to live life as a feral Christian, uh, you're going to have to go outside the norm and you're going to have to challenge um, what is normal in church culture today because we always talk about fences um, we talk about the land that we're called to possess and and how how we need to break break free of some of these things that God has not put in our lives. Other people have put there or or traditions and generations of of this is just how you do things, and we have to be able to break through that and truly start with what the Bible says and what God says versus starting with, you know, this is how it's always done, this is what everybody else is doing, and then making God fit into that. And we're going to be doing it a little bit different today um, because for those of you who are alive right now uh, have probably noticed that there's just a lot of, uh, there's a lot of anger and a lot of yelling um, and you really can't be on social media without feeling um, the the pull of of getting into these arguments. Um, and and there's people who feel very strongly as they should about a lot of these issues. And these are usually things that I I try not to address as far as um, me telling other people what they need to think. Um, you know, I just look in the Bible, I look at, at Jesus, and, and there was multiple conversations where people tried to get him to comment on, on political things, and he very clearly um, refused to go there. And he was like, nope, we're going to talk about um, the, the kingdom of God, and, and I'm going to let other people argue about politics, that I don't have time for that. Um, you know, we see the same thing in, in the ministry of Paul. He, he really um, tried to just say, hey, this is not where we want to spend all of our time. And so I usually just try to let those things go. But, but the more that I've spent time in prayer recently, the more that I feel like this is actually one of those situations where if you want to be a feral Christian, um, you're going to have to do this differently than a lot of the other Christians that you see around you. What I mean by that is that I mean, when you look at how Christians respond to these things going on in social media, I would say a lot of it is not what we are called to do or how we are called to do it. A lot of how we are responding um, is based in much more tradition, is based in much more of trying to protect something that we have built versus living out what God has called us 
to live out. And, and I want to address that today. Um, and I think moving forward, we're going to try to touch on some of these topics. And I want to be clear, it's not for me to tell you what opinion you need to have. It's not for me to try to um, guide you into one political belief system or another. What I feel called to, to use this platform to do, and, and, and it's really in line with what I have been doing so far with this podcast, is to simply encourage people to live out their Christianity in a non-domesticated state, um, to live out their Christianity in such a way that whatever God has told them to do, whatever God has, has called them to possess, as far as the, the land goes and the way that they live, um, they do that. And, and they're not going to be controlled by anything else that, that isn't coming from God. And, um, and that's my goal in this. And so today we're going to talk specifically about, you know, right now, it, it, the, the, the topic that, that everyone is, is trying to figure out is, is the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, this has been around for a while, and um, this is absolutely not coming out of nowhere. This has been an issue that uh, the church has been simply trying to sweep under the rug for a long time. And I think that's my first issue with how we are dealing with this as, as a body of believers, um, especially for those who are trying to be feral Christians. You can't just sweep things under the rug. It doesn't work. You know, as a pastor, I do a lot of marriage counseling, as most pastors do, and one of the things that I always see is that the couples who try to sweep things under the rug, who try to pretend like problems aren't there, um, it ends up getting worse. And it ends up coming out in much more destructive ways than it would have if the, the problem would have just been admitted to and dealt with. And what usually ends up happening is is one side, either the husband or the wife, is trying to communicate um, that, that there's a problem, trying to communicate that there's, there's something missing, that, um, you know, th- that something has to be dealt with. And, and the other side, um, taking it as some sort of a, a slight against them or, or a challenge to their identity, will try to use logic, try to use tactics to basically get the other person to admit that that problem doesn't exist and that they're just making it up. And most of us are guilty of doing this in our, in our marriages. I know I am um, because nobody likes to admit that they're not doing something they should be doing or that in, in any way um, they're, they're falling short. And so our natural reaction to somebody telling us, hey, there's something wrong, you're falling short, I need more, I, I need change, um, our natural reaction is going to be to defend ourselves, to tell people that they're wrong, that they're, they're making up the problem, that they're just inventing it. Um, the problem with this is that while there are some people who maybe just are, are more prone to uh, drama and they, they will invent problems where there isn't any, for the most part, most people do not enjoy 
confrontation. Most of the time, if your spouse is coming to you and and communicating um, that there's something wrong, they're doing it because they really feel like they have to. Most most people, if they're if they're able to avoid confrontation, will. Again, that's not everybody, and I have dealt with situations where I've had to walk people through. Hey, this this is not actually. Uh, a problem, you're, you're inventing something. So I'm not saying that never happens, but for the most part, um, that's what ends up happening. And so what started as one spouse trying to communicate um, a problem to the other spouse, um, and it gets swept under the rug, and they get told, nope, it's not wrong, or it gets turned back on them. Um, hey, yeah, there's a problem, but it's not my fault. If, if you would have just done this, then I wouldn't have done that. So, hey, it's it's your problem. And, and this is absolutely toxic in marriages. Um, this, this is something that will, will tear marriages apart. And, and that's what we see has happened in this movement that's going on, at least from my angle. And I want to give a disclaimer right off the bat. Um, I am white. I grew up in northeast Wisconsin, um, it was not a very diverse place that I grew up. Um, and so a lot of this, I have to truly just say, I don't understand. Um, I did not grow up in a place where I saw a lot of this stuff happen. Um, but also I grew up in a place where, where this stuff didn't really have an opportunity to happen because there was not a lot of diversity where, where I grew up. And, and obviously I did not grow up with parents that, that taught any sort of, you know, racist thoughts, but again, it just was not something that was in my face. And so I have to truly say in disclaimer I am not coming at this as someone who is, you know, like saying, I understand this problem. I know what, what's going wrong. I know what needs to happen because, again, this is a little outside of my world. And so I'm not commenting on, on what's right, what's wrong, what needs to happen. I'm much more commenting as, as someone who is, is taking it as part of my ministry to encourage people to live out their faith in, a, in an undomesticated way as feral Christians, um, what I want to do is try to point all of us to address this topic in a way that is truly pleasing to God, that is truly in line with how God has called us to live. And so when you look at it from that way, what the church, I think one of, one of the biggest issues with, with how we've handled this is it's been clear for some time that these communities have been saying there's a problem. And, and very much like in a bad marriage, um, the church has gotten defensive. Um, the church has either tried to say there's no problem at all or turned it around on them and said, well, hey, if you guys would just do X, Y, and Z, and, and, and really tried to just sweep it under the rug and say, they're, they're, we're not doing anything wrong. There's nothing that, that we should have done. And we are now at this point dealing with the fallout. So just like in a lot of the times where I counsel marriages, there'll be a season where the one spouse tries to communicate it. Um, but if it, is, if it is pushed away and, and not addressed for long enough, 
that will start to come out in, in more destructive ways, more destructive patterns. And it's at that point that, oh man, we realize we got to actually address this. But at that point, we're not, we're not only dealing with the problem, we're dealing with the damage from not dealing with the problem. And so this is where things get confusing, and it's actually one of the, the hardest parts of, of dealing with this in marriages is trying to sort through the different levels of hurt as far as, is this hurt from the problem or is this hurt from not dealing with the problem? Because the first thing we have to do is, is deal with all of the feelings and emotions connected to the fact that this problem has been let to stay for a period of time. And at that point, once that is sorted out, now we can get back to actually dealing with the problem. And that's why it's always best to simply deal with these things when they're brought forward, even though you want to get defensive, even though it, it always hurts to hear that, you know, you're not doing things absolutely the right way. Um, it's always going to be best because if you wait you're going to still end up having to deal with that problem, but it's going to be several layers down because you're now having to deal with the fallout of not dealing with it. And, and I believe that that's where, where the church is at right now. And so it's a difficult time because a lot of people in the church don't even realize the levels of anger and bitterness that they're dealing with um, because this has been swept under the rug for some time. Another thing I want to address, because this is important to understand, is that any argument that has validity to it or, or any movement, organization, uh, group, whatever you want to call it, that has validity to it, is going to be, at least in some ways, hijacked by groups that want to utilize whatever popularity um, or momentum that that group has created for their own means. And this has happened throughout history. This has happened to Christianity many, many times. And, and that's why we need to be sensitive to this, is, is you, you look back at the Crusades and the Inquisition, and I, I could probably sit here and list all of the ways that Christianity was hijacked and used for things that were not of God. Because anytime where you have a group that, that is actually based on something real um, and that starts to gain some momentum, there's going to be other groups that jump in and try to utilize that. And it's unfortunate, um, and it's hard, but that's where we have to balance it. Because what ends up happening is, is you have something like, like this movement where, where there's going to be real truth in this that, that says, hey, we're being, you know, we're, we're being abused. We don't feel like there's justice happening. And other groups who maybe don't have as pure of motives um, are going to latch onto that and try to basically hijack that for their own means. And, and what we have to understand as a church is just the same way that the Crusades and the Inquisition didn't disregard the truth of Jesus Christ, any group that tries to hijack this for really bad things, that doesn't disregard 
the core of of what this this movement is about, which is basically just justice, which, you know, as Christians, we are called to demand and cry out for justice, even for our enemies, much less people who who we're supposed to love. And one of the one of the troubling things that I'm seeing is that once again, in an attempt to be able to sweep this under the rug and not have to deal with the reality of this, is what we are doing many times as Christians is we're finding the groups that are wrong, that have hijacked the, the real movement, and we're basically pointing at that and saying, see, this absolves us from having to do anything to solve the problem. And once again, if you look at a marriage, it's not going to work. That's not going to help that marriage. That marriage is still going to be toxic and incredibly unhealthy if even in the midst of the communication of the problem becoming violent and destructive, if the other side is still trying to find excuses as to why they shouldn't have to change anything and they shouldn't have to deal with anything, um, there's just going to be a lot of pain moving forward. Because ultimately, as the church, we have to decide whether we're going to address this or not, whether we are going to listen. I mean, if you look at James chapter 1, it's so clear. Everyone should be slow to speak, fast to listen, and slow to get angry. Just look at the average Christian. Now, again, I every Christian is different. And, and that's why I do this podcast is because I don't want to be able to look at Christianity and just say, hey, everybody's like this. I believe there's a remnant that really wants to live this out, that wants to live undomesticated and, and feral lives. And so you can't just say everybody, but if you say the average Christian, you know, if, if you were to look at the way 10 Christians respond to these things on social media or whatever, would you say that the majority are following James chapter 1? Would you say the majority are, are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry? I, I would be excited if 1 out of 10 showed that. If 10% of Christians lived that out, I would be excited. Um, because at this point, I don't even know if 10% of Christians are actually responding this way. And, and really, that's all I think that the, the people who are really in this for the right reasons, the people who are truly saying, look, there's a real problem that, that is hurting us that we want to see addressed, I think that's really the core of what they're asking for, is would you guys just listen? Um, would, would you be slow to speak? Rather than trying to defend yourself, rather than trying to tell us why we're wrong before we've even said anything, would you guys be willing to just take a step back and listen to what we have to say and, and, and not get angry the second that we say, hey, you might need to change something and, and there might be something wrong. And I believe that that's absolutely what a feral Christian would do because a feral Christian is not afraid 
of losing the fences. You know, that's, that's, that's what I see in so many, you know, th- this church culture has become this comfortable little half acre fenced in lot that, that they've, they're comfortable with and they enjoy. And it's not really about what God's calling them to do. It's not really about the land that God's calling them to possess. It's just about their nice little comfortable half acre fenced in. And when you have an issue like this, where people are saying, hey, something's wrong, something needs to change, they're threatening your nice little half acre, and, and you don't want to change it. So you just have to get defensive and tell them why they're wrong and why you don't need to change anything. And I don't think that that's how a feral Christian should respond to these things, because a feral Christian just wants God's will done, just wants God's voice to be heard. And so if someone's saying, hey, I think that there's legitimately something wrong with how we're doing something, they are going to listen and they're going to process it. And they're not just going to listen so that they can tell the person why they're wrong. Because you've been in those conversations, I've been in those conversations, where, where someone is listening to you, but they're only listening to you so that they can tell you why you're wrong as soon as you're done talking. And that's not how we're called to do this as Christians. The last point I want to make in this, and I think this is really important, is to understand that it is more important as a Christian to be righteous than to be right. So many of us are so worried about being right, about proving someone else wrong, about proving ourselves right. And for most of us, it's an idol. It, it, is, it is so important that we're actually willing to do unrighteous things, to, to live and act in a way that goes against what God has called us to do simply so that we can prove that we are right. And we've exchanged righteous living for being right and proving someone else wrong. And, and that's, I think, the, the thing that if we really want to walk this situation out right, we need to get over. Because as I talk to people, there's a lot of people who, they, they say, here's my reason why I don't agree with, with the Black Lives Matter movement. And here's my reason why I'm really hesitant um, to, to hear them out or whatever. And a lot of it comes down to, well, what if something comes out later that shows you know, that, that this was all made up, that this was all fake, or, or that, you know, they were hiding things and, and all those things. And I understand that. I, and I understand the mistrust of, of the media. And, and I do understand that, that everybody is spinning everything. And so just because you see a news story does not necessarily mean that that's what happened. Now, as a quick aside, that goes for both sides. And so um, you need to make sure that you're not just saying that when it comes to one side of the fence, that you're actually holding your own side accountable for that same, that same thing because both sides are doing it right now. But that's where I would say, I don't think, and I think the scripture would back me up, I don't think that you are going to be judged based on, did you have it figured out? Did you know that, that this was, was not true and it was actually that? Did you, did you have that figured out before everybody else? We, we almost view like, 
It's like watching a detective show and like God's going to be the happiest with, with the person who figures it out first. But when I read the Bible, I don't see that. I see that we are responsible to live righteous life. And so if there's two people um, and one person is wrong, they get fooled. You know, somebody says, here's a problem and, and they're lying and this Christian gets fooled. But the whole time that they're being fooled, they are living out their faith. They're showing love and kindness. Um, who God is is being put on display, and they never once compromise who God's called them to be. And then you have another Christian who isn't fooled, and they know the truth. But in order to prove that they're right, they allow themselves to act in a way that God does not call them to act. They, they allow themselves to compromise the type of witness that they should have. They allow themselves to demean people and humiliate people and yell at people and put people down and all of those things. But they're right. I'd ask you, which one would God be happier with? And that's where I say, yes, we have to be wise. And, and I'm not saying that you've got to jump completely all in and say, hey, I'm going to believe everything that's told to me. But we need to value much more living out how God has called us to live out rather than being able to prove that we're smarter than someone else or that we're right. Because ultimately, I believe that our power as Christians to shape the world comes from obedience. It doesn't come from how smart we are. It doesn't come from our giftings. It doesn't come from our ability to argue um, or debate. It comes from our obedience. And so I would much rather obey God by listening, giving people the benefit of the doubt, um, not getting angry immediately when someone says that maybe I'm doing something wrong. I believe that even if I'm fooled in doing that, God's power is going to do more on this earth through my obedience than if I would have been smarter and not been fooled. And so I think I'm going to stop it there because, again, I want to be clear. I'm not an expert on this. And I do think that you should listen to people who have grown up really in the middle of some of this stuff. And I got to be honest, I haven't. I was very sheltered from all this. And so I'm in a position where I'm just listening. And, and I'm not going to tell you that I know what story is right and what story is wrong. I'm not going to tell you what media outlets are adding things and what aren't because I don't know. And each one of us is going to have to make that decision. But what I encourage you guys to do is, is to follow James chapter 1. Is be, be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. Be slow to get angry. And trust that your power as a Christian does not come from being right, from proving everyone else wrong. Your power comes from your obedience to live in a righteous way. Live in the way that God's called you to live. Make sure that comes first. And if you're fooled, then you got to trust that God still has so much power 
to do what he wants to do as long as his people are obeying him and obeying his voice. You know, church, I, th- this is not going to go away. And even if we somehow find a way to sweep this under the rug, it's, it, it's going to come back. Any problem that isn't dealt with is going to come back and it's going to be worse the next time. So don't try to sweep this under the rug. There's clearly people hurt and people upset and people desperate. And that has to be heard. That has to be dealt with. Again, are there going to be parts of it that aren't accurate? Of course there are. But that doesn't absolve us from our responsibility to care and listen and actually hear out and try to address any problems that there are. Because that is who God called us to be and what God called us to do. And we need to trust that the world is not going to change based on how much we prove the world wrong. It's going to be based on how much we obey God. Our power doesn't come from being right. Our power comes from being righteous. And they're similar, but they're very different. So remember, test some fences in your life and do everything you can to possess the land that God is calling you to possess. Until next time. What if I told you that on the other side of these fences, there is land where the Pauls and the Timothys used to walk? That just beyond these fences of church pews, traditions, and rules, there are forests that we once owned. That right past the, that's just how it's done, and just do what you're told, lay a place where we can regain what we've lost, our strength our senses, our power, the ability to live the way we were always meant to live. What if they're all still there, waiting for us, just beyond the fence?